Here we go. My name is Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 431. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things, but first, uh, what's the main focus, just to, as a teaser to the people out there in the podcast land? Um, today, we are going to talk about um, practical things that kids should know before they go out into the world on their own. Now, that may sound like these are things you could wait on, mm-hmm. that you could like wait until they're 18 no, to teach them. No, the idea them. is to have it. The idea is to have these as intentions. Mm-hmm. So you're clear about what you're aiming for. And it's practical. It's very practical. And as I was just saying to you, it's it has a lot to do with emotional intelligence. Of course. So it's not just about logistical things or have them be able to fold their laundry. But first, sweetie, I'm going to play a song for you, and I want you to tell me why I'm playing it. <laughs> oh, boy. You ready? Yes. You're a rich girl, and you're gone too far, because you know it don't matter anyway. You can rely on the old man's money. You can rely on the old man's money. It's a beach girl, but it's gone too far. Sweetie, why am I playing that song? Because that was my pick, one of my many good picks for the cash flow game. What's the cash flow game? I'll tell you what the cash flow oh, game yeah, is. I was going to say. Cash flow game is a board game developed by a guy named Robert Kiyosaki, who has, uh, who's written many books, but the one he's most famous for, for is called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it was my birthday last Thursday. I think it's just been your birthday. It's been my birthday for a while. And um, I know I like playing board games, but the girls are very picky on which board games that they want to choose. And uh, Cash Flow the Game is a board game to uh, increase the financial literacy of anybody who plays it. Yeah, it's actually for adults. Yes, uh, and but I am somebody who uh, I want a lot of things for my three daughters, but one of the things that I want for them is to have a basic understanding of financial literacy, financial intelligence, so that they can uh, be independent and rely on themselves and things like that. So, um, but for my birthday, I wanted to play this game, and I knew that I would get resistance from the people who. I wanted to play who it with. Who you love the most. Who I love the most. My wife, my three daughters, and my sister, Shane. So it was my birthday. So I said, you guys have to do what I say because it's my birthday. So we played that yesterday. How did how did we do? We did fine. You know, honestly, it, it, because it was your birthday present, I didn't put up any fight about it. But right. it's not something I would want to do because you learn about assets and liabilities. Today, I or said. Or as you said, liabi- liabilities and debits. <laughs> and, you know, you have to like buy and sell and do things that are life things. Um, you work and- with an income statement. Um, you manage risk. You learn about the stock market. You learn about dividends. You learn about uh, passive income. ROI. ROI. What does ROI stand for? Return on investment. Oh, very good, sweetie. I'm impressed. Smart. Um, But what was funny about it is, so Todd was really excited to play and he had like watched videos about how to teach it. And like, he was like all pepped up. But when, you know, especially Shane and I, when we sat down, we were like, you know, this has got to be fun. Right. On top of being Todd's teaching tool for all of us. So we made a little playlist and uh, I kind of did old school Hollow Notes. I did some Donna Summer. I did Billionaire, Travis McCoy. I did, well, what else was on my playlist? Money, Money, Money by ABBA. All the while, I was, as I shared with Kathy, and she didn't pick up on this, um, 
when I want to play this board game, I my main intention is not to have play. fun. <laughs> Which it's, is the funniest statement I've ever heard. It's to learn. It's not. I love not having fun. And some of these uh, concepts are not easy. And when I got one sister playing a song over here and one <laughs> wife playing a different song over there while I'm trying to help them understand assets and liabilities, it just isn't an easy. But I tried to roll with it. You did. You did great. And you thought that I did well. You know what? You didn't even know that I was struggling. Here's why. For those of you that like your children listen to their uh, headphones when they do their homework or maybe they, you know, have a song going while they're working and they'll say to you, really, I can get my work done while I'm listening to music. In that situation with the game, like if I'm writing, I can't do that. But in that situation, I could definitely listen to music and play the game and enjoy it better. Better because of it. If you would have been like, no. We're going to play this game and we're going to be serious. Yes. I would have been like, dude, because you also started out by saying this game is a 90 minute to 120 minute game. And we're Correct. like, okay. So if you would have said, be serious for two hours. And not only that, but I think you know that I understood because JC and I kicked everybody's butt. I know. You actually did I very well. I became a millionaire. I know. And just to kind of maybe make sure you know that I that you was, know I know you I, know. I was loosening the grip so much that we didn't even finish the game. And that's hard for me. Right. And we weren't asking to be done. But that's the best way to do it. That's my thing is I stopped early right. because we didn't even get out of the rat race, which is the first no. half of the game. I think I was pretty close to you that, guys though. were very close. Um but my hope is that maybe we could play this once a quarter or something like that. Right. Do you think that's possible? Uh sure. Do you have a birthday once a quarter? No. Oh. Maybe once a year. it is more fun when you're there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, play the song that Shane played for us. Because like I said, Isn't I was- there a lot of uh, swear words Well, I think that? there's one that's like uh, clean. What was the name of it? It's uh, 21 Savage. It's um, in my bank, bank account. account. And so what's funny about this song is that, yes, it's not a very clean song, a little bit of violence, and Skylar's been singing it all morning in the car. Oh, really? Yeah, on the way to school. Wow. I bought a Rari just so I can go faster. <laughs> Trying to copy me, they plan catch a tournament. I might pull up in a ghost, no catch a tournament. I've been smoking gas and I got no I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight M's in my bank account. Yeah, in, in my, my bank, bank account. account. Yeah, in my bank 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 account. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So what everybody needs to do is play cash flow while listening to 21 Savage, the clean version. Clean version. Um, but it was it was fun. We had a good time. And um, uh, what else was I going to say about that? Um, nothing. That's good. Um, I do want to give a, a shout out to a good friend of ours. We've had him on the podcast. His name is Bill Dwight. And yes. he has a website called famzoo.com. And he, his whole mission is to increase the financial intelligence of ourselves and our children. Uh, and he, it's pretty cool what he has. He has these debit cards set up so you can start getting your kids to understand uh, proper financial management. So quick shout out to famzoo.com. Thank you, you Bill Dwight. Um, and before we get into the uh, big gist of it, I do want to talk about Team Zen just oh, for a sure. minute. Go ahead. 
because um, Millie, our Team Zen member, helped us with some language as far as communicating what Team Zen is. So okay. um, subscription-based, uh, but for the month of May, it's actually free, or yeah. maybe not for the whole month. We'll see. I don't know how long we're going to do this promotion, but for now, well, if you go to it, it's free. It's for the pe- It's free for the people who have already signed up for it. it. Don't it. worry about that. Got it. But I just don't know how long we're going to keep it going. Got it. Um, you get uh, two free or uh, two Zen talks, which is basically a Q and A session with Kathy and I. Our next one is May eighteenth, and you get direct support from like minded community through Facebook. So Kathy and I will answer whatever questions you guys have, but so will the rest of the team members. So it's basically just having your girlfriends or your guy friends that kind of believe in similar things to kind of lean on each other and support. And that's the thing, to be able to ask a question, and obviously Todd and I give you feedback either on the live um, Zen Talk or, as Millie wanted us to say, because this is pretty important too, on the Facebook page. I answer questions like most days on the Facebook page. Um, And so you basically have this opportunity not only to reach us, but to reach a lot of other people who think similarly, who maybe have kids the same age as you, who maybe have ideas about books or resources or camps or just philosophy. Um, It's one of the, I think you and I take this for granted because it's so normal to us, but it's one of the most warm and non-judgmental pages I've ever been on. Yeah. And um, I, there's judgment is not a thing. You know what I mean? There's never like backlash or like. Well, it's because the people kind of who who have done this like the show, like the spirit of what our show is. Yes, I like that. Um, and you can be on it live with us on the Zen Talks because it's a video thing. All you need is your phone or a laptop. But if you can't make it, everything is recorded. Uh, you can click on a link that I sent to you. Um, there are two podcast apps that you can have in your phone. One is the one that you're probably listening to right now called Zen Parenting Radio. The iTunes podcast. The yeah. iTunes, well, it's it's any podcast. Oh, yeah, It'd that's be on true. Android. Um, or, and then if you join Team Zen, you'll also have a private podcast podcast app called Team Zen. So that's where you can listen to um, our, Zen te- our Zen Talks. So, and then um, and then you also get 10% discount off of everything in our store. And our store is rocking. Is rocking because now we have ZPR mugs, ZPR hats. Todd is wearing one right now. Um, we have all of the t-shirts from the conference that everybody loves that says, believe mm-hmm. there is good and then be the good. Um, and then we also have my books. Mm-hmm. You can be, that's where you can sign up for Team Zen. That's mm-hmm. one of the places. You can be a Zen friend. And then what else do we sell there? Uh, well, your three books and uh, tickets to the conference. Tickets to the conference. You get a discount right. for that. So you get a discount on everything if you join Team Zen. And then here's, uh, I'll say this, but I want to yeah, give the bullet points of the last uh, team, the Zen talk that we did because they're right. good. But let's jump into how to raise an adult by. Well, so before I say that though, the, this checklist, did, are you trying to still do what you're doing? Or- no. And I move no, forward. go ahead. Okay. So this checklist that Todd and I are going to talk about today comes from the book, How to Raise an Adult, um, by uh, Julie Lithcutt-Hames. Did I say that right? You sure did. Um, I want to make sure I pronounce her last name right, because I was saying it differently, and then I looked it up. I heard someone else say it, and I'm like, oh, that's it. Uh, Julie Lithcutt-Hames. Um, so anyway, this book came out in 2015, and it's funny. Todd just said to me, how did we miss this book? Um, and many of you probably didn't. And I I do remember when Julie's book came out, because she did some work with our friend Dr. Shafali, and I was following. We had both seen her TED Talk several times. I've sure. shown her TED Talk before. But to really sit down with the book and to take in the research and the amount of time she put into this. And I just said uh, to Todd that I love books like this because this book has like 
a moral code to it. Like there's integrity in it as far as like, um, what is it we really want for ourselves and our children? You know, what is it that we, and a huge part is self-awareness, just what are we doing and why and how we are contributing in a major way to what our kids experience and what they do. And then also the research, the, you know, the research behind everything she's saying and all the people she was able to interview and speak with. And then just, you know, anecdotal information here, you know, I've, she talks about kids she's talked with and kids she knows. And so it's just kind of the whole package kind of. Can I add one bullet point to the three bullet points you just said? You said integrity, research, and anecdotal. And maybe this is what you mean by that, but there's an honesty in it as well. For sure. Because she owns her own stuff. Absolutely. Because she has two children. Yep. And, you know, a lot of it is about how we overparent. Right. And how she has overparented. Well, and she lives in probably one of the biggest overparenting communities in the United States, which is Palo Alto, you know, Silicon Valley area. And there's, we've talked about, um, stories, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as the schools there and the pressure that the kids feel in that area. And while I'm saying that that's a really well-known area where there's a lot of pressure, it's definitely not the only place. I mean, living in Chicagoland, we feel it here. We definitely feel it on the North Shore. We Mm -hmm. feel it all over, Um, especially in the city too. The pressure these kids have, like in Chicago proper, like actually in the city, it's a really huge pressure cooker to get your kids into a public school. Right. Because our kids, I think everybody gets it. You don't have to like pass an entrance exam to get into York no, high school. That's our, that's our public high school. Whereas my friends who live in the city, they have to get their kids passing this entrance exam and they need to compete against other kids Absolutely. to get into these really good public schools. Whereas we don't have that. Right. Which so- is... So this has many different versions. And I think many of you who maybe live in smaller communities, maybe there's not the pressure to get into a certain school, but once you get them into school, there's still a pressure. So I think we can all relate to this. And and the most important part is how we are showing up in this. Because we, even if you live in a community where there is pressure, societal pressure, as a parent, you can make different choices. It won't change everything. Our, you know, For those of you who have been listening to us for the last eight years, you know that we don't put overt pressure on our children. Do they feel it from us sometimes? Probably, Mm -hmm. without us even thinking it um, or doing it uh, overtly, you know, like I said, but they probably feel it. But at the same time, they're getting it from their peers. They're getting it from the school, from the expectations. So we don't really need to add to that. Well, and that's where I come in is because a lot of my buddies are like, no, dude, you got to check power school. That was called yeah. power school just to make sure and blah, 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 blah. And um, I, my take is guys to my friends, these kids, because they go to this high school and they live in this community, the pressure is coming from peers, from commercials, from movies, from teachers. From standardized tests. From standardized tests. They're getting it all. Sure. I feel like my job is to counterbalance that. Skylar, who did um, is doing a book talk today. Yeah. She's like, can you put, she's in fourth grade. And this, I don't brag about our kids very often on this show, but in this moment I will. Okay. Um, she's like, can you put this on the thumb drive for me? And she... I didn't even know she was doing this. Yes. Like it was a big PowerPoint. Did you help her with it? I didn't help her. She showed it to me yesterday. Right. So like she did the transitions of the PowerPoint. She did all the text. She did all the pictures and she practiced with me this morning. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a clue that she even had this assignment, much less did the assignment and is now doing a talk about it. So anyways. And that's kind of what we're talking about today is what this checklist is, is how, again, you know, the title of Julie's book is how to raise an adult. Mm -hmm. Because the gist of this book is how many kids are heading out, you know, into the world or into college without 
these skills to be able to function without their parents. Mm. And it's beyond just, I think sometimes we label things and box things like, well, I wasn't a helicopter parent or, you know, I'm this or I'm, and, and we just try and say, well, I didn't do that. Right. And maybe you shouldn't be labeled a helicopter parent, but where did you step in maybe where you shouldn't have? Mm-hmm. Or where did you not step in? You know, and we're not going to do this perfectly. None of us are. Um, but I think the gist of this show is the really strong emphasis on emotional intelligence and why. Why do Todd and I talk about emotional intelligence all the time? Because that those tools, the ability to have executive functioning, the ability to um, fail and be resilient, the ability to be kind to others and work in a team, the ability to have self-awareness and to practice self-care, that's what will create a person who can move through life. That's going to serve them a lot more than focusing on how they did on their science test. Their grade point average. Their grade point What were we just talking about yesterday where, oh, Todd was explaining, when he was explaining cash flow, the, you know, the game we were just talking about, he said to the girls, when you go to a bank to get a loan... Nobody cares what your grades were. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares what your SAT score is. All they want to know is what is the what is the thing? Personal financial Personal statement, financial statement. Which is a bank's way of your report card and how you manage your money. And again, I'm not saying the personal financial statement is an emotional intelligence thing, but it's it's, it's a life skill that nobody focuses on. It is. And it kind of goes down a different path that they definitely need. But my point is, is that a lot of times where kids are really, and I can say this by working with the kids that I work with as young as fifth grade, eighth grade, they really believe they are their grades. Mm-hmm. They really believe they are their sport. They really believe they are their SAT scores. Well, it's funny. We saw a picture of Max yesterday, our nephew, yeah. and he just had his high school prom. And there's like, whatever, 20 kids, their gal getting their picture taken. And there was one picture where they all had their colleges on a cardboard yeah. and they showed it. Uh-huh. And there's part of that's like, yeah, that's wonderful. They all worked hard and all that. But like, what if one of those kids was not going to college and was going into a trade? Yeah. He would have nothing or she yeah. would have nothing to show. Yeah. Like that's messed up. We don't have, we have a different value system. Mm-hmm. And I think it used to be a little more, and it, it definitely was in the community I grew up in, that that was a huge option. So much so that our high school had that built in. That's yeah. what my dad used to do for a living, you know, like vocational programs. So you could actually go do the work and get high school credit mm-hmm. and then be an apprentice and move forward, which is what we need, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Not everybody needs to be a banker, a lawyer, a doctor. Like we need people in the trade. And that is a uh, not only an honorable profession, but a lifelong profession. Like that's a place that you, you know, when you have that skill set, no one can take that away from you. Um, You know, it's not an automated kind of thing is what I'm trying to say. How many um, bullet points do we have? So let's start. I I think there are eight. Okay. Um, So again, these, this checklist, everybody's like, okay, guys, get to the checklist. Land Um, the plane. Land the plane. So let me just say, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase what Julie said on this uh, page. She calls it a different kind of checklist. If we want our kids to have a shot at making it in the world as 18 year olds without the umbilical cord of the cell phone being their go-to solution in all things, mm-hmm. which is a funny story because even I, one time I got my car broken into in Des Moines, Iowa, and then I called my dad in DeKalb and said, Dad, what do I do? And he said, you handle it. <laughs> He's like, it. what can I do for you when that happened there and I'm here? Um, it was great advice. He's like, go handle it. Um, but anyway, so these are some basic life skills. And she said, uh, based upon my observations as dean, and the because she was the dean of Stanford, and the advice of parents and educators around the country, here are some examples of practical things that kids need to know before they go to college. 
language. Um, so the number one is an 18-year-old must be able to talk to strangers. Mm. Okay. Mm. Now, this is interesting. Now, one of the things that I want to say to you guys as you're listening to this, because I was a little fearful about bringing up this checklist, because something that I do watch with parents is sometimes they try and force these issues too early. Yep. So like there'll be a two-year-old at the dinner table or at the restaurant, and they'll force the two-year-old to order. Yeah. Like, no, you need to learn. Right. Or even a four-year-old or a five-year-old, and that these kind of things come in time. Yeah. But the expectation is that eventually... When you're like, even yesterday, we were at a restaurant and it was a little loud and chaotic, and Skylar was on the other side of the table. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, She's a fourth grader, and she said, Will you order this for me? And sometimes I do help her when it's a challenging order, but I said, Actually, you're on the other side of the table. You take it this time because mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to. It's too crazy here. Right. And she's like, Okay. So it's not like our children are horrible if they ask for help, sure. but sometimes we just have to allow them. And, and it's it goes beyond ordering at a restaurant. Sure, you it's know, just um, an example, a metaphor for others. So, and why she talks about this one is she's found that a lot of kids show up for college with their parents, and then they walk around campus, and the parents ask all the questions. Right? How do we get to this building? Who do we talk to about this? And the kid just stands there. Well, I feel like this first one and how to talk to strangers. Like this is a really. Um, important and not an easy one to do because in the first chapter, Kathy's on like the 10th chapter. She started yesterday and- I'm I'm in the last three fourths of the, or in the last- I'm on chapter two and yeah. she talks about the history of how we got to uh, be so kind of helicoptery yes. or overprotective. And she talks about Adam, the movie Adam, yes. and then all of a sudden that changed because we're now parents. But when we were kids, we remember watching that, uh, that horrific- movie. Which is a kid who was abducted right. and then that he was found ki killed. Yes. And she goes on to talk about how actually we're safer now than we have Absolutely. been back then, yet we still treat our kids as if don't talk to strangers because they might grab your hand and walk you out, to, out of a shopping mall or something Correct. like that. So We grew up with Adam and we grew up with America's Most Wanted, yep. which was a piece of that because that was Adam's father. Yeah. Um, but it was, we grew up with this feeling of it's all around us. Mm -hmm. And while people can point to examples of where things have happened, it's actually very, very rare. Mm -hmm. um, and like Todd said, we're safer now. So and there's a cost if you protect your kids so much. There's a cost to it. One being, you're not going to be able, your kids not going to be able to talk to a stranger when they're 18 years old, applying, you know, going to college or going to a trade school. So, anyways, well, and that's the thing is like this stranger danger thing. There is a real thing to teach our kids about not speaking with somebody who makes you feel uncomfortable, who mm -hmm. maybe is asking things that are not are not right. Like. The thing I've taught my girls since they were very little is you will know mm -hmm. in your gut when something is uncomfortable. And I like to trust that place inside, you know, to be like, if you're like, mm, I'm not quite sure why this person's talking to me or a car pulls up alongside of me and is trying to give me something or you're going to know that this is uncomfortable. And many of you may say, how will they know? You guys were born with that internal. We're born with that intuition. And that intuition comes from self-awareness. It and does. And self-awareness comes from space. A space comes from sitting in quiet. Space comes from having an awareness of what's going on around you. By the way, are we going to go through all eight and like, because if I'm listening, it's like, great. Talk to strangers. How do I get my kid yeah, well, to do that? Here's one comment she says about this is we teach kids not to talk to strangers instead of teaching them the more nuanced skill of how to discern the few bad strangers from the mostly good ones. Mm. Um, thus, kids end up not knowing how to approach strangers respectfully and with eye contact. And they, you know, then they can't ask for help and guidance and, yeah. um, you know, direction in the world. This is why it was so bothersome to me, that story. And I know it was bothersome to everyone from two weeks ago, that young man who 
um, missed his bus. Mm -hmm. And then he knocked on a stranger's door because he needed directions on on how to get somewhere. And he happened to be an African-American kid. And the the woman who answered the door started screaming. Mm. And her husband came out with a gun. Oh, my gosh. And shot at the kid. And and there's so many things wrong with that that bother my brain yeah. that make that put a pit in my stomach but that piece of that Julie's talking about here is here's a kid who's doing the right thing who's saying I am going to depend on the kindness of a stranger to help me because I'm a kid yeah. and I miss my bus yeah. and my hope is that as a community and as a as a I mean I could be so bold to say as a world but at least in our own communities that people are looking out for each other's kids right you know what I mean? Yeah. That that someone would actually, you know, and, and it can be like, oh, why is this kid at my door? I'll ask. Right. But before we jump into being afraid, mm-hmm. um, and these are very, you know, again, I love the word she uses it here. And I feel like I've been using it a lot lately on this show, nuanced. Mm-hmm. Like there are no absolutes here. And what's unfortunate is I think we go so far in the fear category yep. that we're losing ourselves. Yep. And to really be conscious of... Um, how am I helping? How am I, what am I teaching my kids? Am I teaching them to be afraid of the world? Am I teaching them to, you know, only depend on me? Because once they're 18, you know, I'm writing about that right now. The, you know, the, the obvious thing you and I figured out a year ago when we were on the beach with the girls is that they're not going to live with us forever. And our job, we've kind of always known that, but I feel like that sentence just really threw me. Right. Well, and it's getting closer. Yes, it's when more your kids real. are five, three, and one, you're like, whatever. Yeah, it'll come, but not for a long time. We have a freshman in high school. I know, and I just want her to be able to. Like one of the things, very a small thing that we have taught the girls um, is that if they ever did get lost in a big place like an amusement park or or a you know, like a museum, to find a mom with kids. And to approach her. Um, and and again, many of you may say, well, why not a dad? And that's our extra precaution Yeah, is like, just find a mom when yeah. they're really little, find a mom with kids. I know that in itself is, because I've always said that, find a mom with a baby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as somebody who teaches the mature masculine to other men, there's just in this moment, I'm like, yeah, what's up with that? But the bottom line is statistically... These kids are probably going to get better taken care of if they walk up to a mom with a kid than some random male. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's the world we live in. Right. And I think that's, again, the nuanced thing is in no way is that a declaration of men aren't safe. Correct. Um, Because as they grow up, a lot of their coaches are men, a lot Mm. of their teachers are men, and they develop these relationships with men. It's just in a stranger situation where you're dealing with strangers. And you have options of who you're going to go to for help, a mom with a baby or a random random guy walking around. Plus, they're more comfortable going to a mom with a baby also. And you know what, Todd? If it was more common to see a man alone with like three kids, mm-hmm. like a, a stay-at-home dad or a dad who's at sure. the museum with his three kids, and I'd say go to the dad. Sure. It's really more about the parenting part, yeah. that this parent would know what to do. Well, and I would say, you know, if they walk up to, like if a kid walked up to me saying, hey, I'm lost, I can't find my parents, right. I'm at Six Flags, I would be like, oh, well, let's find a security guard or let's do something like that. And I think the mom would, I'm going to get myself into trouble, <laughs> would be a little bit more 
uh, supportive emotionally. Like, oh, honey, like get down to their level. And I think I'd be more like problem solving. That's just me. I can't speak for all men. Right. Well, and I actually think that, and again, I'm just trying to throw a compliment your way. You've had children approach you before. Sure. And you're great about sure. that. Like, yeah. you know, strange children who are strangers who need help. Sure. And you're wonderful with mm-hmm. them. So again, it for those of you who are like, what about the dads? Them too, yeah. if they're with kids. It's just when our kids were really little, yeah, that was kind of our go-to. Just the rule of thumb we use. Yeah. So number two. An 18-year-old must be able to find his or her way around a campus, the town in which the summer internship is located, or the city which where the child is you know, studying or working abroad. So why this is important, and I think you and I run into that, we talk about this a lot with the girls and their bikes, is a lot of kids still don't know where they are in their own towns. Right, because they get driven everywhere. They get driven everywhere everywhere. And so they don't have an idea of how to get places, Mm -hmm. like even to their own schools. Mm -hmm. Um, We took a big leap this year uh, with Skylar and she wanted to start walking home by herself. And we were like, fine. She was ready. She asked for it. Now, JC just told me, I just said to her, when did we start letting you walk home alone? She's like fourth grade. I don't remember that. Do you? No, I don't remember. I don't remember, but she, she claims it. But my point is, is that now my daughter knows the direction in her own body of how to get to and from school right. instead of, and honestly, you guys, just to throw this out there so you know, I drive her to school every day. Mm-hmm. You want to know why? Time. Mm-hmm. Because I, we either have to do this show or I have to go to a class. So a lot of what Todd and I do, we have to base around our own lives. Yeah, necessity. But the walking home part, since I'm already at home, I, it gives her an opportunity. And then the girls in the summer, when they were doing camps, we had them ride their bikes. Well, and the other scary part about finding a way around campus or wherever, just being geographically knowledgeable mm-hmm. is with the cell phone, like, you know, that's a little trickier because all you do is press a button and it's going to walk you through it. Right. And that is a little bit scary because you can be so reliant on it. You honestly don't know the difference between Northwest, South and East. Or so anyways. Well, and I totally agree with you. Um, And at the same time, because that's a world we're living in, can our kids, do they at least know how to access those apps? Right. I mean, seriously, like the first, the best case scenario is our kids have somewhat of a compass in their own body Mm -hmm. where they're like, I know how to get places. Like you literally have a compass where you understand all the directions and you grew up in Chicago and you understand the numbers in Chicago. Yeah, the streets. The streets. I completely do not understand those things. I understand landmarks. Mm-hmm. So if someone is like, it's by the blah, 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 I know exactly how to get there. And that's just, that's not an intelligence I, thing. But if I say it's, you know, three blocks southwest of the intersection of, intersection of York and St. Charles. Then I'm like, what like, are you talking about? Yeah, right. So I, you know, instead it's next to the Burger King. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know where to go. And that's, that's my way. Mm-hmm. This isn't something we need to criticize and say what's better. I don't care which way my kids do it. Yeah. As long as they have an understanding of where we're going. And so- what uh, Julie says about this is we drive or accompany our children everywhere, you know, even on a bus, you know, their bicycle or their own feet could get them there. So kids don't know the route for getting from here to there, how to cope with transportation and options, um, when and how to fill up the car with gas or when to make and execute transportation plans. So like one of the things that JC did last summer that was kind of, again, a leap of faith was she and two of her girlfriends wanted to go to Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how are you going to get there? She's like, we're going to take the train and we're going to, and I was like, I really had to be like, okay, mm-hmm. like that they have to learn that. For sure. We live outside of a big city. They went during the day. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a nighttime thing. And I know they were going to struggle. 
when they got there. Well, you know what I do sometimes is I take one daughter a year away somewhere during the summer. We get on a plane and we go somewhere where they want to go. And what I do is, okay, tell me, you know, we get to the airport, like, how are we going to navigate through this? Fun. From the time we get there to the time we're on the plane, like, look up. Yep. Look, look up. at the signs. Yep. How, how are, because usually I'm leading the way mm-hmm. when we take family vacations. And uh, when it's just one-on-one, I'd be like, okay, what do we do? And for them to even know there's a huge billboard with departures and Mm. arrivals Mm. and that they're, and they need to do it with us. And we don't have to be all teachy, like, okay, come over here and look. It's like, let's go find our flight and do it with them. Well, it's funny, like that whole idea of letting your kids fail. Like I'll always remember this. My dad was teaching me how to drive and we're at the intersection of Peterson and Forest Glen in my neighborhood where I grew up. And it was no left turn between four and 6 PM. Mm -hmm. And I was turning left. And he knew I was making an illegal left-hand turn. Mm. There's cars honking at me. Wow. And he let me take the left-hand turn. And I will never forget that because- it woke you up. It woke me up to be aware of the street signs because nobody was getting hurt. It wasn't a dangerous thing. It was more like a traffic flow thing. And he could have said, oh, don't t- turn left here uh, because it's no left turn. That's how we learn is when we screw up. I teach JC, even like with lacrosse, like the way you get better is by getting your butt kicked on the Mm -hmm. field by a team that's better than you. Right. So we have to kind of allow, not control, but allow these situations. We don't create the situations. We stand back from the situations. And again, when there's an obvious safety issue, Todd and I always have to throw this out there so you guys know where we understand where you are. If you have a three-year-old that's running into the street, of course you grab (laughs) them. Okay, everybody? Go common sense with us. We're talking about when we're watching our kids maybe making a, a, a literal left turn mm-hmm. or a left turn another way where we say, okay, they got it. You have to do this because our over-involvement will cause them to not have a learning. Exactly. And there's a, it's a very nuanced and it's dependent on who your child is because we may do this differently with each of our kids depending on their emotional intelligence, where they are, their own experience. So again, and I want to say this again to those of you who have really small kids, you don't have to take your three-year-old and start pointing out the arrivals, right. okay? This is small steps over time where you start to get them interested in it. Age-appropriate steps. Age-appropriate. Don't force your children to do things too early. Keep them... And when I say that, I have not only had that experience personally, but I've watched parents do things that I think are a little over the top. Mm -hmm. Like I said, being at a restaurant and a three-year-old is scared to order and saying, nope, you have to learn. It's like, give them some time, but that's your intention, your gradual intention as they get older. Well, and um, I've been taking the girls, we have this big place uh, in our neighborhood called Vertical Endeavors. It's this huge rock climbing, indoor facility rock climbing wall thing. And Skylar does it and she's 10. And... um, she likes the easy ones where it's there's a whole bunch of different really good rocks to pull up from and and all that and there's a part there's an egoic part of me that wants to say why don't you try this one because it's a lot mm-hmm. harder this is a situation where it does not matter Mm-mm. how quickly or if she ever wants to try the hard one mm-hmm. and i have to check myself saying why is it so important for you todd to try the harder wall when she's having fun doing this one. And what you will find out nine times out of 10, they will challenge themselves. eventually, And it's because Mm -hmm. of their decision, Mm -hmm. not because my dad's pushing me or not because my dad, because I used to like justify it by saying, well, she's going to have more fun because she's going to be challenged. And when she 
uh, surpasses her expectations of what she can do, then she'll thank me or whatever. Which is your story. Which is my story. She's going to be able to figure this out and try these harder ones without me. And it's like the climbing wall example is a great one because it doesn't really matter. Like the high dive, you want your kid to go from the small diving board to the tall diving board because they'll have so much more fun and they'll feel like such, such accomplishment. Is that true? Yeah, that's that'll make me feel better right. about my role in their life, but it's not trusting them to make their own decisions. So Absolutely. And just for those of you who've been listening a long time, I'll remind you of something. When our uh, oldest daughter was in preschool and in kindergarten, she never spoke. Mm-hmm. So much so that we like were challenged. Some of the teachers were annoyed at us. Yeah, we were three quarters away through the school year <laughs> and they're like, uh, JC hasn't spoken to us yet. <laughs> Now she was five, and there's other, the and what was our response when the teachers invited us to consider like you might want to do something about this? Well, our question first was: Is she participating? Is she sitting on the rug when she's supposed to? Is she? Do, and she's. They're like, yeah. We're like, okay. Like as long as she's not a a challenge in the classroom where she's burdening you. What's it? What's another? opposite approach we could have done with that? Said you have to talk to your teacher, JC. You have to start talking to your teacher. She wasn't ready. Now, now, many of you listening will say, well, that's paradoxical with what you just said about 18-year-olds should be able to talk to strangers. 18-year-olds, not five-year-olds. And then somebody might be like, but it's not a stranger. It's your teacher. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Our daughter wasn't comfortable talking to her teacher. And yet she participated mm-hmm. and she showed up. And when we would ask her about it, because we did ask her, mm-hmm. like, you know, do you feel afraid or is it uncomfortable? Without the intention of trying to push her, she was like, just kind of like, ah, eh, not yet. Mm-hmm. Like she was still getting her bearings. I always think about the first children, how much pressure they have. Those of you who have more than one kid, you know this, like my oldest daughter has paved the way for everybody. She was the first one to go to preschool, first one for middle school, first one for high school, first one in sports. Like my other daughters have benefited so much. Here's a shout out to the oldest children. Yes, I'm a middle child. You're the youngest. You're the younger Mm -hmm. of two. Uh, The older children... It's, yeah, it's, it, they have a different path. They do. And a lot of them end up being very responsible and very organized and everything because they're forced to be by the, just by birth order. Yeah. And sometimes our expectation of them is a lot higher. Totally. And so there's a lot of reasons. Again, it's different in every family, but I really have noticed how JC has matured and it's been really lovely. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's been on her own time yeah. because what I'll tell you now is this is a girl who is, who can, this is what I love. She can talk to anybody, meaning that she's very comfortable in the presence of adults, but she doesn't feel the pressure to do it. Do you know what I mean? She's not like a talky talker to No, and and when I'm around and she has this opportunity to like, you know, shake somebody's hand that she's never met and make eye contact and speak, I'm I'm not surprised, but I guess I'm just impressed. Yeah, it is. It's lovely. And I guess you and I have done some teaching saying, you know, this is the way you shake a hand. Role modeling. Role modeling, yeah. yeah. Because that was our big decision when she was little, <clears throat> is you and I had to have a lot of talks about this because we didn't know exactly what to do because mm-hmm. she was so quiet. And we just said, let's just, in her presence, keep doing what we do, yeah. and let's trust that she's watching right. and that we don't need to force her. And again, for those of you who listened to the first couple of years of the show, you'll know we talked about this right. and what the outcome has been has been... Uh, it appears to be um, an intrinsic motivation to talk to people. And intrinsic motivation is one of the foundational principles of what what we're trying to get with our kids. Now, before you go on to number three, I will tell you that um, we could race through the next six real fast, but Mm -hmm. it's probably not in our best interest. And I reserve the right to change my mind or our minds, but let's do four 
this week. Okay. And let's do four next week. Okay. Um, but before you go on to three and four, can I just do the quick um, Team Zen, what we talked about last Friday? Sure. And then uh, we'll move on. So we did a Zen talk last week. Um, and this, these, we did a lot of questions for us. Um, the first one was fostering gratitude in young children. Remember, we, it was the mm-hmm. present disappointment. I do. The second question was about ways to support and encourage father-daughter bonding. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a question about if you have a daughter who is shut down and doesn't share anything. Uh, and then the fourth question, I won't go through the last four. The fourth one is a nine-year-old who won't pick her backpack up and responds in a mean way. Yes, that was a good, that was a fun one to talk about because that was, a, a, felt simpler. So that's just a taste of what the types of questions we get on Zen Talks. So anyways, that's okay. the deal. <clears throat> so I think that you will uh, like the next couple, and I'm going to – they're a little faster. They're okay. not so intense. Number three, um, an 18-year-old must be able to manage his or her assignments, workload, and deadlines. Hello. Wow. Um, why that's important. A lot of this book is about Julie talking to parents who are doing, who's, who are doing their children's homework. Um, they are actually literally doing their children's homework. And I'm not talking about when they're juniors in high school. I mean, when they're second graders. Mm -hmm. So for those of you with young kids, this is a place where you cannot do that. (laughs) Um, it doesn't mean you can't help or support, but sometimes there's a big overreach with homework where we're more concerned about what the teacher thinks about us than we are with our child learning. Now, the thing is, is I know what parents will say, because I hear it all the time, but the other kids are getting help or the other kids' parents are doing their projects or the other kids. This, this is, is all where, short-term, long-term stuff. You got it. This is where you have to really decide what you want. Yeah. And that your child may not get the blue ribbon, but the child who did get the blue ribbon often doesn't even know why they got the blue ribbon because they didn't do the project. And one of the things that Julie mentions that they they are starting to do, like at science fairs and everything, is have the parents leave. And then the people who are judging actually interview the child mm-hmm. and say, you tell me about the process. Because they were finding that the parents were explaining the science project yeah. because they're the ones who did it, you know, and that... These can be really difficult things. Like I, as I've said, I remember when I was a kid and, you know, being in, uh, in art shows or whatever, and I would show up with my art project and the kid who won, it was drawn perfectly. Even, and I was like, I know that that kid didn't do that. So just to kind of give you guys some insight in how, um, you know, how we deal with, with, or how I deal with our kids, like it's not a hands-off approach, but it's we don't invest really any emotion on whether or not how good or bad they do. Like we want them to do their best and everything. And, um, you know, we support them through homework, but the tests are not so, like, cause that's the outcome. Mm-hmm. It's more about the process. Mm-hmm. We focus some of our energy on the process. So I would say that I take a little bit more of a hands-off approach, but I want to counterbalance that with an example. Okay. Our daughter who is in sixth grade or no, in eighth grade wanted to get into a higher English class. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah, oh, yeah. And um, we, this is kind of new for us because she didn't test into it. Mm-hmm. And she and her teachers, her eighth grade teachers, decided it's something she should move toward. Right. And so she came home and said, My teachers said, I should ask for this. Right. And then we, uh, so we asked questions yeah. um, of the, hi- the person who's in charge of that decision yeah. in the English department at the high school. Yeah. And we said, you know, we're, we're not, we're trying not to be those parents like my kid's smart, let my <laughs> smart kid in there. But it was like, how does this work? Can she get into it? And he's like, uh, well, she didn't, her, her testing didn't show that she could, 
But if you really think that she might be able to handle it, then try it. Then try it. So we didn't take such a hands-off approach to say, no, JC, you're on your own and this is just the way it but is. But see, the difference was she asked for it. Yeah. I think that's the piece yes. where the hand, the thing is, is when we make our kids mm-hmm. go higher because we want them to Yes. versus a kid who came home and said she loved her two teachers in eighth grade, loved them. And she said, these two and me think that I should should push up a notch. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what does that look like? What does that mean? And she's like, we have to ask, we have to, it's like petitioning or yeah. whatever. And so of course I'll help you with that if that's what you want. And then you have to deal with what that looks like. Meaning we're like, if you're really going to go into an honors class, you know, you're going to have more work, of course. And she's done beautifully. Mm-hmm. And she, I think has appreciated that push. And even if she didn't do beautifully, let's say she failed out because mm-hmm. it was too much reading and she couldn't handle it. That wouldn't have been a mistake either. That wasn't an accident then. Right? It was still what Purposeful. she needed to do in that moment yes. to learn where her learning level is. Yeah. And learning level doesn't mean her intelligence. It's mean It means where she's learning. And I think our fears, we get boxed in about, well, I don't want them to fail, but I don't want them to not get enough. And I, you kind of have to let them go back and forth. And when I say she's doing beautifully, I don't mean perfectly. I mean, I appreciate the work she's putting into doing this. Mm-hmm. I, I honor her, her, you know, internal guidance about this. Yeah. Um, so to Todd's point, it hands off doesn't mean we say, sorry, we're not going to help. It means we're not invested in the outcome. Yes. Um, we've had times where um, we have well, I can't even say that. That's not true. We don't. We have access to power school, but you and I don't. That's just one thing I'm not putting on my list. Yeah. I am not going to look at my kids' grades all the time. I think that would be miserable. Mm. Um, and obviously, at the end of every semester, you can look because they don't. Do you know they don't send report cards home anymore? Right. But don't we like sign something? Or uh, something? I don't think so anymore. You I think it's even it? changing at the elementary school level. It doesn't matter. But so, what about the parent that says yes, but? Um, my kid wants to get into a really good school and the only way my kid can get into a re- real good school is if they do AP Gov and AP this and AP that and and they and they literally cannot get into those schools unless they have a 4.5 out of 4. Well, there's reality to that and I would recommend Julie's book, mm-hmm. um, How to Raise an Adult, because then the question is why do you think they should go to one of the top 10 schools? And what does because that mean? Because that's going to put them in a position to be successful in life. And my question is, is that true? Because one of the things she says in her TED Talk, and I believe this too, I'm just using Julie since we're focusing on her book, is there are so many universities, big and small, around this country and beyond, international, that are amazing, where our kids can get a great education, find friends, be connected, feel like they belong, and go out in the world and be successful. And I don't just mean monetarily successful, I mean relationship successful and joy successful and... um, you know, new experiences successful. That's what my hope is. And that there's also many community colleges and many trades and many ways our children can feel a part of this world. And the idea that being, that going to one of the top 10 schools or the top 20 schools, that that will dictate their happiness is not true. If you have a kid who has kind of some off the charts intelligence or giftedness, and that is where they need to learn, then amen. I'm not saying those schools are bad. They're not. They're wonderful. But they're not for everybody. 
Right. And that it, some of the, I'm, I don't have it in front of me, but some of the statistics that Julie has in this book about the amount of people that apply to the top 10 schools now, you want to know why they apply? Because of US News and World Report. Yep. Because every year they put out a thing about the top however many schools. And they that US News and World Report has even been questioned about why they do that. Because they have raised the stress levels of children and parents just by doing that magazine. Yeah. Because all of a sudden... When they do that, those are the schools that get all of these applications, and then that makes it more difficult for anyone to get in, mm. because all of a sudden they're getting this many applications for only two thousand spots. Yeah. And you guys see where I'm going with this. It's an as you know, our friend Vicky, uh, what's Vicky's last name? Um, Avalos. What's Vicky? Uh, Race to Nowhere. Oh, um, I'm, I don't remember. I can't her remember her last name. Vicky. Um, her movie Race to Nowhere. Um, this is what it's about. What are we pushing for? This is where self-awareness and intention plays. A-B-E-L-E-S. Vicky did this incredible movie called Race to Nowhere. If you haven't seen this documentary, watch it. Yes. It will wake you up and go, what am I doing? Because we'll say, I have to get them to do their homework. They have to get A's. They ha- and we don't even know why we're pushing it. And we're taking our children's childhood away from them because they can never have this back. I'm totally getting on like a... You know, but this idea that they have to be learning and growing and getting tutored, and that they have to be—of course, they have to be growing. Service hours, like they got to have service hours, and they got to show this. I'm, and internships I'm, and three sports. Yes, there is so much time for that in their lives. They will be pushing themselves on their own mm-hmm. if they have some free time to think and to be bored and to meet new people and to ride their bike and to not know what to do. Because some of you parents will say, "Well, then my kids are going to be bored." Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they're going to say, mom, I'm bored. And you're going to say, yes. Congratulations. Yes. So happy for you. (laughs) Exactly. And then they either call someone and go somewhere or walk downtown. Like our middle daughter last summer had to like figure things out every day because we're like, you have this much tech time, use it the way you want, but you got to figure out what to do with this day. Because we invited her to do certain camps and she's like, no, No, not my thing. So then we're like, all right, then you're going to have to figure some things out. Right. And and sometimes with us, meaning sometimes she and I would go do things and sometimes we got to work. Mm-hmm. So she would she started taking walks downtown and yeah. she started, you know, creating her own projects, taking pictures. She took a photography class like our kids need that space. Um, should we go to the last one? Last one. And okay. then we got to close shop. OK. And this is good because um, I like this one as our last one. An 18-year-old must be able to handle interpersonal problems. Mm. So we step in to solve their misunderstandings, soothe their hurt feelings for them, and kids don't know how to cope with or resolve conflicts without our intervention. Now, here's an... You I can f- do a whole show on that bullet point. I know. Point. And that's the thing that I said to Todd right after I read that bullet point. We were sitting outside yesterday, and I said, I really have to be self-aware about this one because I'm very focused on my kids' emotional well-being, where I talk More to so them. than their actual academic well-being, more so than most of their well-being. The emotion is where you and I invest a lot of this attention. And I had to ask Todd, am I overreaching with their emotional well-being? And we really had to kind of process through it because I don't do the thing like where my kids come home and they're in a bad mood and I'm like, let me fix it for you. But you are available. I'm available. Quite, you know. A lot. Coming home from school, they know that that I'm sometimes there, but... Kathy's almost always there. So you're challenging yourself like, oh, am I there too much? Am I there too much? Right. And not like I would pretend to not be there. I'm not going to play a game with it. I just really wanted to be like, am I... And and we kind of went through some examples. And I think, I, I believe now, but I again have to watch this, is that I'm having them talk about things, meaning I'm the space, 
but I'm not solving it. Meaning that I I can't think of a time that I've been like, well, I'll call that parent. I've never done that. Or, you know, or this is what you need to do. I'm never telling them how to do it. I, I think majority of the time I'm saying, yes, this is uncomfortable. And how do you sit with that? Um, and when your par- when your kids do come home with a whopper, like yeah. a, a bad exchange with a friend, yeah. can you stay in your adult self yes. and not regress into child yes. and be in it with them? Because yes. you think that that empathy or sympathy, whichever one it is, is serving them, but it's not. They need a, an adult in the room to hold their hand, not another you know, 10-year-old, 13-year-old, 15-year-old peer to confide in them. They need somebody who's going to stay above that and not drop into the drama. Right. And I think the middle ground for that, for me, at least where I'm landing, is the difference between talking to your kids about their interpersonal experiences and then solving it versus talking to them about their interpersonal experiences and just letting them sit there, mm-hmm. meaning giving, empowering them to deal with it internally and externally. And I, my hope is that's what we've been doing. I mean, um, there's, you know, I also, one of the things I've been doing lately with my youngest is I have been advising her to go to her sister's mm. because she's been struggling with a few things where I've been listening. Um, but I'm like, you know what? You need to talk to Cam about that. You need to talk to JC. And I'm trying to give her, not because I'm trying to shoo her away, but I want her to have more options than me. And she, you know, she has your sister. She has my sister. She has my mom, my aunt, like, I want her to feel like there's people. But you know what that also does? What? It empowers our other two children. Correct. They're teaching something that they experienced, you know, these troubles at school. Yes. And now instead of them coming to mom with or dad with their problems, how empowering is it to be asked your expertise on something? And we have a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old that has been asked by our 10-year-old, what do you guys do when your friend does this or your teacher does that? Like that strengthens their chops, their ability. And at dinner the other night uh, after JC's lacrosse game, it was JC and her friend Taya and Skylar sat across from them. And I said, ask both of them Mm -hmm. together what they've done. So not only just our family, but ask Taya, what has she done in this situation? And so she's like, okay. Mm -hmm. She was really excited. Kind of like, okay, not only am I going to get the attention of these older kids, but I really want what they have. Well, and it's also, it's not, um, so we're not the only ones, the only reason. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of what you're saying. You have my uh, my sister and your mom. Like this, uh, hopefully we're in a community. Yes. And I think in, uh, in this day and age where like we don't, talk to our neighbors the way that we talked to our neighbors 40 years ago. And we think that everything has to come through us. Mm-hmm. Use the resources that are available to you. Let other people love your children yeah. in a way, because they already do. Yeah. These, you know, your, the, your friends, your family, your kids, friends, they would love to support your kids. And again, it's kind of like the number one that we talked about, about talking to strangers. There's some limits in here. I'm not talking about just bring in everybody to your kid's life. And I'm not talking about bringing in people who aren't good for them. I'm talking about the people who already love them. Let them take a lead in your kid's life because your kid will be more expansive and more capable because of it. So that's four, Taddy. Um, So you want to do the other four next week? Yeah, I'd I'd love to. Sometimes we like get all jazzed about an idea and then a week later we're like, no, let's talk about something else. Well, maybe we'll change. For those of you, for if for any reason we don't, which I think we will. But if we don't, the book, uh, again, is How to Raise an Adult by um, Julie Lithcutt Hames. Did I say that right? You sure did. Okay. And it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. We'll probably be talking about it more. And it's on page 80 
Um, so or 81. So you can read these two. We have two iTunes reviews. Um, Rogue SRH says that we're inspiring and Surf Monk from the USA says we're the real deal in parenting. So thank you for those two wonderful reviews. Um, I also do uh, coach guys. So guys, if you're out there and you're struggling with some work-life balance issues or relationship issues, I can help. Uh, first session is free. Go to toddadamscoaching.com. I also have a tribe men's group meeting. If you live in the Chicagoland area and there's any guys that might be interested, go to the tribemensgroup.com. Our next meeting is on Tuesday, May 22nd. And lastly, I want to thank my good friend, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty and he owns a business called Avid Painting and Remodeling. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. So give him a call, 630-956-1800 or uh, just check out his website, which is avidco.net, A-V-I-D-C-O.net. That's the deal. And that's about it. So I'm going to play the music and Sweetie's going to go to yoga. Have a good week, everybody. So keep trucking. Next week, Team Zen, get on it. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you. Remember, you can subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask Kathy and I questions live. If you can't join us live, you can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, we have a book club, and get discounts on everything that we have to offer. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. Guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? I have good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You choose. First session is free. And if you're in Chicagoland, contact me about the tribe. It's a men's group, and it's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by going through the Amazon link under Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you a thing, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Finally, I want to give special thanks to our two foundation partners, the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thank you for your love and support, and keep on trucking. Thank you.